Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Well, welcome to the Riveting Exchanges podcast series as part of Women in Manufacturing. And my name is Andrea Olson. I'm here with Desiree Grace, my co-host, and we're going to keep talking about bad bosses today. So how are you doing, Desiree? How was your holiday weekend? Mine was great. How was yours, Andrea? It was wonderful. Yeah, the weather held out pretty well. And, uh, you know, it's nothing like Fourth of July to, you know, have some good grilling food and good weather and good friends. So I must say it was a pleasure. I, so, I could not agree more. So yeah. go ahead. So I was just going to say, you know, we went through a few different personalities or personas on our last episode, but we've got quite a few more to dive into. So is there one that comes to mind that you want to talk about first? Well, you know, I'm thinking of political Pete and in conjunction with our last podcast, we're going to talk about these bad boss personas and we're also going to talk about tools and techniques for dealing with them. Now, when I think of political Pete, I've personally experienced two of these. I've mm. experienced the political boss who's very politically savvy very cognizant of internal politics at work and mm -hmm. plays the game very well, sets a good example. And then I've experienced the sort of extreme political Pete, we'll call him political Pete cubed. And <laughs> that gent was a person that everything was about internal politics. And wow. man, he'd throw you under the bus faster than you could say greyhound. So yeah. that particular archetype can be manageable or it can be someone to really look out for. Have you had experiences like that at all? I have, you know, and I will tell you that in regards to political Pete Cubed, you know, an interesting gentleman that I worked with, he was of that personality that would kind of game you for information, whether yeah. that how something was going within the organization or even ideas or what programs you were working on. And then he actually had a good relationship with the CEO. So the problem with my political Pete was the fact that he would be able to connect with the CEO off business hours Ooh. and the ability to leverage those private conversations into things that then maybe would be could be something as simple as stealing an idea, or it could be something even as complicated as stirring the pot and asking questions or something that, and so you get this kind of random left field question from the CEO, hey, wh what are we doing with this? Where is this happening? It might have been something that was never on the agenda, never on the budget. It was a brand new thing that just was kind of that shiny new object, but he would instigate that. So that that's always a difficult thing to manage. Yeah, when you've got the political Pete cubed, you may at some point decide that that boss isn't worth all the grief and aggravation and you may transfer to another department, leave your position. But the more benign version of political Pete, that's actually someone that you can learn from. They're mm -hmm. pretty savvy at navigating internal politics. And you can learn a lot from observing them in their natural habitat, which is corporate politics. Mm -hmm. And that particular 
breed of political boss. My best advice for dealing with that archetype is you can challenge them. You can have frank conversations. You can point out maybe things that weren't considered or something that may have been overlooked during a decision-making process, but mm -hmm. do it in private. The key with that yeah. persona, do not ever call them out or embarrass them in any way in public. Right. So if in public you are supportive, respectful, professional, that boss could actually be an asset and a mentor, not only by example, but might actively help you along. And if in private, you're helping them be better, more thorough, dot their I's, cross their T's, talk about the unintended consequences, whatever mm -hmm. you're doing to help make them even better, they'll be grateful and they'll help you out. But the key is don't ever call them out in a public venue. Oh, I completely agree. You know, and that's the thing. I think sometimes the political piece can be frustrating and feel as though there's kind of this gamemanship going on. But if you are lucky enough to have a political piece that actually helps things move forward and helps you get around obstacles that are created by politics. To your point, it is really essential to sit and absorb and listen and understand why they say what they say when they say it. Because there are times where, you know, the CEO, and I'm picking on the CEO here, has triggers, has idiosyncrasies, has things that are very specific and unique to them that this person has learned over the years, probably through trial and error, okay. certain things not to say and when not to say them, even though you go, this may be, this is obvious. Why, why are we avoiding this or why are we not discussing it? Because there is a hierarchy, no matter what the organization, there is an unwritten hierarchy that it's just like within a group of friends. Sometimes there's things you just don't talk about in the group. You might talk to the individual by themselves in private, maybe it's a personal thing, but you just don't bring it up in, in a group. And it's that candor and understanding and navigating that within the business setting that that is an essential skill. Absolutely. And when we talk about bad bosses, you know, some of this is kind of tongue in cheek, but mm -hmm. it is a case where some of these archetypes or personas in a mild version aren't necessarily bad. They just require identification and right. care and handling. So if, if you learn how to handle the political Pete appropriately, they can be an asset to you in your career as long as you're with that particular organization. And they oh, may be very adept at playing the corporate politics game, which frankly is something we could all stand to learn from. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely agree. So political Pete Cubed, if he's the guy that's getting the extremely brown nose and yeah. is making decisions purely based on corporate politics, you may need to decide that you're going to go along and get along or you're going to get off that particular journey. Do you have any thoughts on that, Andrea? You know, it's tough because I, I do understand that a lot of folks really might not have a lot of flexibility and choice. You might want to say, yeah, I'd love to get off of this journey, but for personal reasons or, you know, home reasons or even career reasons, you say, this is just not a feasible idea. So how do I, how do I handle that brown noser, if you will? 
a big suggestion I would say is if they're not directly your boss, it's a little different. If they are directly your boss, it's going to be important to have other conversations. And I say the one thing you can do is get information. It doesn't mean that you can use it or use it in a public setting, but understand and kind of triangulate what your political P-Cube's motivation is. He might have a position where he doesn't have any other upper mobility, or this is where he sees he gets his power from, is just having connections and playing the game. So there's ways to get around that. It just requires understanding in each circumstance what he is trying to get out of it. And if there's a way to partner with another department, if there's a way to have a conversation about that project or idea, maybe in parallel, and then bring that back around in a way that doesn't make political Pete look bad, but helps you accomplish what you're trying to do, it's definitely doable, but it does take some savvy. Absolutely. And if that's the boss you've got on your hands and for whatever your reasons may be, you need to stay there, then you do need to manage that individual and his political aspirations, quite frankly. So that mm-hmm. may be a case where, just like with the more benign version, obviously you don't challenge that person in public. Maybe you try to support them and go out of your way to make them look good and even help them gain political capital in some way. So you might, in a meeting, say, well, it was Pete's idea or at Pete's suggestion. Now, you don't want to be disingenuous and phony about it, but, hey, you know, if Pete legitimately said, hey, my presentation's going to be better by adding some heat maps, give the man credit and, mm-hmm. or woman and yeah. let them get that political capital. It's no skin off your nose to publicly compliment your boss as long as it's legit and sincere right. and you don't come off like Eddie Haskell and leave it to Beaver. So again, it is a manageable situation as long as you identify it and manage accordingly. So should we move on to maybe another bad boss or do you think sure. there's any closing thoughts on political Pete? Yeah, you know, again, I I think that sometimes the political Pete as a boss can be to your advantage. Oftentimes it does help your department. It doesn't help from uh, getting personal credit for work. And that's something that is going to be difficult to change. If there's a political Pete that is another department head that starts kind of sabotaging what, what your team's trying to do, that's a whole different story. And I think that those political I guess if you say brown nosers, uh, <laughs> yeah. Those ones just, I would say that the key is caution, right? Do not give them more information than what they ask for if they ask you for anything, right? Don't give up the farm, right? If they want to know where the status of a project is, you think that they might use that to thwart your department, be honest, be clear. But don't have that verbal diarrhea. Don't keep going on and on and on about what you're doing or where you're going or what you're doing next. Because what the thing is about the political peats of the world is that information's power. So whoever holds the information holds the power. So that's really just simply keep that in mind. I agree. And I think that probably that last piece of advice, don't tell them anything and everything, is really good. 
So being circumspect, perhaps, with what you share is wise, because if it's political Pete cubed and you tell them something like, oh, I'm exhausted, you know, I've been up all night with a sick kid or a sick relative, that could come back to bite you at some point. So. Right. I would be reserved with the information I share with that particular archetype because if there is an advantage to them, they might use it against you. So that's a good piece of advice as we, we move on to our other is just be careful what you share. And if in doubt, don't overshare ever. Right. Totally agree. So our, our next one is kind of a kissing cousin to political Pete, and that's self-centered Sal. You ever mm. work with the all-about-themselves boss? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because those really can be super frustrating. And, you know, even if it's not your direct boss, it could even be a coworker. It's hard because it gets so emotionally draining and it gets so frustrating because it's typically constant. So it's hard to keep that frustration from coming out sometimes. And it's hard to really focus on the fact that you don't want to be in a position of being reactive to it. You don't want to look petty and jealous. But when you see that kind of pompousness, and, and oftentimes it's really illegitimate, right? They often take credit for things that, you know, so they were in the room for it, but they didn't really do any work. That just really can kind of stick with you and start building a really negative attitude within your personality. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You know, when someone is that self-absorbed and that self-centered, it's almost a case where identifying it and then figuring out the best way to manage it, you know, again, similar to political Pete, they're probably not going to go out of their way to help you in any form or fashion because they are so self-absorbed. But if you're willing to listen to them, you might find that that can be an asset simply because this type of persona loves an audience. Yes. Oh, definitely. So you could build some points or some street cred with them simply by giving them the audience that they desire. That can happen. Other techniques for dealing with this type? You know, the self-centered cell, it's, you know, the bottom line with them is typically they are insecure. So the driver there is that they are trying to fill their own cup up with self-importance because they're really afraid of losing control. They're oftentimes afraid of how other people view them. And then in addition, they're typically somebody who actually doesn't have a specific skill or lacks a skill for their position. And oh, yeah. try to piggyback on others because they know that that exists and they just are really kind of trying to find their own role within the organization. So they oftentimes make a role by being that, you know, carry on to others or others work. So the big approach that I've seen with that is really trying to understand actually what they're really good at and what's important to them and trying to fold them into things that they can actually use their skill sets for. Even if it's a, a colleague or a boss, it really doesn't matter. You can always ask for their help in a certain way. 
on a certain subject or in a certain area. So giving them purpose outside of just taking credit for things, but actually giving them an opportunity to shine in an area that they're already really good at. I would agree. That's probably the best way to handle them in, you know, in that case, you're not frustrating yourself by working against them. You're actually working with them. And in that case, you become an ally and you're not frustrating yourself. The key there though, is not to expect that persona to ever mentor or advocate for you unless it happens to be in their best interest. Yeah. They might even try to hitch their wagon to you. So the fact that they'll often say they did something when let's say you really did it, or they just sent you an email. I mean, there was no level of involvement. It's sticky, but oftentimes, you know, things come out in the wash. So when you're in meetings and, and they say, hey, I did this, or this is what we did, or phrases it in a way where they drove and led the whole thing. Keep in mind that you're the one oftentimes that has all the detailed information. So when it starts coming out and there's details or questions about a project or an initiative, they're often not going to have that information. They're going to have to turn to you. So the others in the group, the rest of the organization is really going to be able to see through that. Oftentimes, most people do, and they understand where the rubber truly meets the road. I think that it's important not to let that get under your skin. And a little bit from when we were talking about political Pete, don't give away the farm, right? I'm not saying be flip or curt or extra brief, but only give them the information that they're asking for. You have to be very cautious about giving them a lot of details Because that's all ammunition that they'll use to say they've done things that they didn't actually do because they have that knowledge. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. Because this person is self-absorbed, they really don't want to hear and they typically are not very good listeners. So quite frankly, you're better off telling them what they need to know Mm -hmm. and leaving it at that. Right. Certainly, you don't want to withhold necessary information, but just tell them what they need to know. Yeah, exactly. All right. So the other one that I find challenging, and I've worked for one of these, is Moody Max. And and Moody Max was partly Moody because he was also political. And Mm -hmm. as the boss's mood went, so went his mood. But he had another nickname internally called uh, Rocket Roger because he'd go off like a rocket. I've Mm -hmm. changed the names. But Rocket Roger, Moody Max, you know, they could call you in the morning because, gosh, they hadn't had the right coffee in the hotel room and set your day down a very unpleasant path. So one of the things I learned working for the really moody archetype was I needed to be really self-disciplined. And what I mean by that is I could not take on their bad mood. I needed to have enough self-discipline to listen, respond as, as necessary, but certainly don't take on that bad mood or that bad humor. Somehow figure out a way, you know, because sometimes people's moods can be contagious if you let them. Oh, sure. So that self-discipline piece for me was critical to learning how to work with this persona. 
What about your thoughts? You know, I've dealt with those types of folks as well. I think you got to keep in mind, just like when anybody is reactionary, there's a couple things, right? One is it could be there's something at home or there's something going on in their personal life. And this is actually just a phase. You know, there's people that sometimes they're going through a divorce and that can take many, many months and they're going to be a little, little crazy for a while. There's those cases where it's like, yeah, they're moody, but there's a reason and normally they're pretty sane, but in this case, they're not for, for this period of time. That's more of just tolerate it, buck up, be understanding. The other cases where it's this reactionary, I just want to assert power by sometimes being angry, sometimes being really nice. Again, that oftentimes, and, and I had one gentleman that was this way, he was, you know, just, he would yell at you, he would, you know, call you terrible names, and then on payday, he would be the nicest man on the face of the earth. So it was this really kind of bipolar situation. So you have to be the kind of calm pool of water, right? It's, I, I don't want to say unflappable, but you're the one that, you know, just in any other circumstance, even if it's in a public setting where you're not in the privacy of the office and he's, you know, having a scene, let's say somewhere in a hotel lobby, you're the one that needs to stay calm, stay very vigilant to being the mature one, because it's not about calling out Moody Max and it's not about reflecting his behavior. It's about being the bigger person and being very simple, calm, and not becoming reactionary to it, not letting it get into your persona so much that then you feel like he's mad. I need to do something about this. I did something wrong. No, no, no. Don't consider it that. Just be very black and white about it. Absolutely. And sometimes if you keep your cool, that can actually take them down a notch. They might yes. downshift from fifth gear to maybe fourth or third gear. Right. Because you're not contributing to the chaos or, or mm -hmm. the mood swing that may be going on. So there's that piece of it as well. And if you are able to keep your cool with Moody Max or Rocket Roger, mm -hmm. then you're going to actually be in a much better position to deal with that particular persona. And they can be tough because you don't ever know what you're going to get when oh, you pick yeah. up the phone, walk into the meeting or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would so, also say, you know, do not let it have you live in fear. And I know that's easier said than done because there's days where you go, all right, I'm going to walk into the, his office or her office. I have no idea what I'm going to get. And, you know, you're going, this is either going to be a great day. It's going to be a terrible day. And it's one of those things where, you know what? It's just like anything else. Do not let their feelings and how they feel that day impact your own day. It's something that is a useful tool in your own private life as well right? There's oftentimes there's people that might be negative or you're concerned about something. It has to be, you are in control of how you react and what you do. Yes. And always remember that, keep that in mind. And if it's something where it is so negative, where they are just, I mean, you, you can't really keep yourself centered. It is impacting your health. 
it's impacting your happiness, it's impacting your home life, I would say you really need to take action then, right? If it's something that you just personally cannot handle, whether that is even speaking to HR, I don't think is an unreasonable thing. Oftentimes in these cases, they're going to have some difficulty unless there's a specific issue to handle. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. keep in mind that what you do at work and how your work life impacts you, impacts your health, impacts your happiness, impacts your family. And if Moody Max is to the point where this is, you're bringing this home every day, you know, your family sees it, your friends see it, you do need to consider getting away from that environment. That's true. And if it's not situational, to your point, someone's going through illness, divorce, whatever. If it's not situational and that's just how they roll Mm -hmm. and that's who they are, it may not be worth it to work for that type of bipolar personality. And, you know, generally those people have a reputation in an organization, but Mm -hmm. as long as they're effective, they will be retained. Yes. So if you can't manage them by managing your own mood and being the, the calm, cool, collected cucumber to their moodiness, if that doesn't take it down a notch and you can't sustain that as a way to deal with that personality... And there's not enough other positives there, then it, again, it may be time to, to look to make a move in some form or fashion. So, and you know, for, for all of our listeners, I do want to emphasize that the only person that can answer that question is you, the individual involved. I mean, I worked for Moody Max for four years. Mm, And I outlasted many colleagues in that particular role. But here's the other thing about Moody Max. And I've seen this after that at other points in my career. Sometimes that person also picks out a target. Oh, yes. Not always, but sometimes. As long as you're not the target, and I am not by any means saying I don't feel really, really bad for the person that is, but as long as you're not the target and maybe you don't work in the same office with them, maybe you're in a remote role, it can be manageable if the other good things to your role are there. You know, maybe the company's good. Maybe you love your team and your customers. Maybe you're remote so you don't have to see them or deal with them every day. It can be manageable. Mm -hmm. But that is a purely individual decision. And there's really no right or wrong decision. So I have a friend whose husband works for Moody Max. And he's in a remote role. He knows once or twice a year He's going to be subject to one of the wrong moods on the wrong day, and he's going to be in the wrong place. He knows it. Yeah. But for him, he can handle it a couple times a year. So that might also be the way to manage it is to not be in the same office with that person. Yeah. It's the case where, you know, there's having that person as your boss and then having that person as your colleague and not having a lot of control over that person. And maybe they're not directing that anger or frustration at you, but Moody Max can also sometimes be just that negative person in the office that just becomes kind of a thorn in in the team's side. And again, it's a matter of how are you going to handle 
your behavior? How are you going to separate yourself from that person as much as possible? How are you going to change how you react to Moody Max? Because that's the thing I think people oftentimes want to change others, whether it's their boss, whether it's a colleague, you know, you wish that they acted different. You wish that they stopped doing this, but you can't change that behavior. You can only impact behavior through your own actions and set an example for others. Absolutely. So those are the the tips I think we should leave our listeners with for this particular episode of Bad Bosses, which is remember you can control you, you can control how you react or don't react to these personas, and ultimately you're the one that's going to decide if it's worth staying or making a change. It could be as simple as, hey, I want to work remote two days a week. Would that be possible? Give yourself a break from that moody coworker. But do remember, you have the ability to control you. And even if you feel out of control, because maybe one of these is your boss, you ultimately control you and they don't. So mm-hmm. that's some small comfort when you're dealing with it. And it is easy for us to say, but we've both been there. Oh, yes. And, you know, personally, I'll share this with our listeners. I didn't want to give this personality the satisfaction of knowing that they were getting under my skin. Oh, yeah. So I, I perfected the poker face. And to some degree, I knew that that annoyed the persona because sometimes with the Moody Max, there's a bit of a bully in there too. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I did derive some small satisfaction out of not letting him see me sweat. Right, right. That's a (laughs) strategy. Really, it's true. And it does take practice. But, yeah, that is keeping power, right? It does let you keep a certain amount of power. And there's not much they can do about the fact that they can't get you to break down and cry or, uh, you know, whatever the case is. So that's just excellent advice. Well, Riveting Exchanges is all about women helping other women be successful at work, whatever your role. So you could be entry-level, middle management, or climbing that corporate ladder. We welcome feedback, questions, ideas. And with that, I hope our listeners will join us next month for another episode of Dealing with Bad Bosses. We've got another chunk of personality types to talk through, and hopefully we'll leave our listeners with some actionable tips and tricks to take to work. And Andrea, as always, it's been fun speaking with you. I hope you and our listeners have a good month until we speak again. Thank you for joining the WAM Podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.